The Association of Mature American Citizens is an organization dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending our freedoms and securing our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, entertainment, and special insurance rates. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience in our quest for conservative principles. Sign up now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Victor. And for a limited time, get a free gift membership for someone who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference with AMAC. Join today at AMAC.US slash Victor and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host but you're here to listen to the star and the namesake. That is Victor Davis Hanson. He is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. We are recording on January 6th, 2024. Victor, this used to be known as the Feast of the Epiphany or Twelfth Night, but now January 6th, is a um, you know it's an insurrection a holy day uh, for the, uh, the democrats and joe biden yesterday the fifth i guess not wanting to speak today for whatever reason i don't know why but anyway he gave his uh, a supposed kickoff speech of his campaign at valley forge based off of january 6th and uh, his comments and not comments his speech was mostly directed about the uh, uh, events, the attack on the Capitol a few years back. But, Victor, we'll get your thoughts on Biden's speech, on some of the reaction to it, on the deification of January 6th by the left, and if that's working politically. And we'll get to another topic or two. And we'll, we'll do all that right after these important messages. Do you own firearms? Did you know there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Well, meet muzzlestick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzlestick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a quick way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. And that could save lives. Are you one of the nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection, taking an extra safety precaution by using muzzle sticks, big, bright barrel and chamber flags will let everyone around your firearm know if it is loaded or unloaded. 
Muzzle stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some firearm owners do. Clearly marking a gun status communicates to others around that may or may not have firearm handling experience that it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzle stick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags give firearms rapid and clear identification, which could result in saved lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owners. Head over to muzzlestick.com. That's M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K.com today to place your order. After all, we all only have but one life. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor, I have to make a snide little observation first. No matter what, whether he was talking about January 6th or whenever he appears now, Joe Biden always has this um he's he's squinting and he kind of reminds me of that kid from deliverance you know playing the the guitar on the bridge yeah yeah and he there's just some blackness in his eyes all the time now that kind of makes his nastiness even nastier but that's just one man's observation you're you're exactly right he he's a mean person he's very vindictive He's, I mean, it goes back to his character pre-dementia, and that was a plagiarist. And he lied about his um, Delaware educational experience. He said it, he was in the top third of his class. He was in the bottom. He had been expelled for a semester for plagiarizing. He plagiarized Neil Kinnick. He has a long history of racist outburst. We've gone through them all. I wrote a column on it. You're absolutely right. He's he's not a nice person, and he's going to beat this January 6th dead horse to death. And I well, think what, everybody what you... listening should just they should just prepare themselves, Jack, for yeah. three things: yeah. January 6th, abortion, and Donald Trump is a dictator who's going to destroy democracy. And the arm the subtext will be he's going to destroy the whole process of balloting and therefore we have to take him off the ballot so that's what you have and you know that just i'll just comment briefly is yeah what what are your thoughts about this uh, biden speech well he went to valley forge which i thought was really bad well those people at valley forge that were starving and freezing to death and didn't give up the idea that he represents them they if you they could come back to life and you said to those people you're going you're trying to form a new state do you believe that all of you states when you unite can take off the leading candidate for your future president off the ballot they would say no that's what they were fighting against and the idea to go there when they're using lawfare and these four bogus trials against trump now fanny uh 
Latita James is trying to get up to $350 million to bankrupt the Trump family for overvaluing a real estate, which I think they undervalued in the case of Mar-a-Lago and other properties. But no one was hurt. Loan was paid back. Bank was happy. Uh, and if you're going to indict every American who has filled out a application for a loan upon audit that the house or the car that they listed as an asset didn't quite have the market value they claimed, then you're going to have to indict half of America, three quarters of America. So it was, it's very unfair what they're doing. And uh, the idea that he's doing all of that, and I think he is because he's commented, as you know, Jack, on some of these ongoing, is he guilty of insurrection? Yes. he's He has commented on all of these things in a way that's really on toward of a president. And he did it before with the Phantom of the Opera 1.0, and now it's 2.0. So he has this melodramatic landscape, and then he goes into the MAGA, and he's Joe the Uniter. That's why they voted for him. That's why the naive, never-Trumpers and suburbans and independents voted for him, to unite us. But all he does is go back to the clinger deplorable, and he added to that vocabulary of irredeemables, with his contributions of chumps and uh, he and dregs, he said dregs as well, and so he he's a, a big divider, and that's what he has to do to divide the electorate. I don't think it's going to work this way because if you look at the polls, the action, and he's because he, he brought up January sixth, the actual opposite is occurring. The more that the tapes, the forty five thousand hours, come out the more that you look at the conduct of the January 6th committee and missing records and no cross-examinations. And now Judicial Wash has sued in a civil suit about Officer Byrd who shot Ashley Babbitt. And we find out it wasn't just that he lost his gun in a bathroom, but he had also been reprimanded for shooting at a car where he didn't know supposedly it was stolen, but he didn't know exactly who was in it. And he had a reputation of being a loose cannon. And then the new videos from the angle that you see it, and I watch them, there are armed people all around that are facing her. She goes through there and he comes in from the side and shoots her. And I thought it was, it blew apart her you know, her main artery in her neck, it didn't, it hit her shoulder. So she was actually alive for several minutes. And I, I don't think they got proper medical care. So he, he's cobalt, that's coming out. And you and I've discussed Matthew Rosenberg, the Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times writer, who in an admittedly ambush interview with Operation Veritas, confessed that when he went out there, it was no big deal. And he said that, he saw in FBI informants everywhere. That meant if he could recognize them, there was probably even more. And then when you look at Joe Biden and what Nancy Pelosi did, you remember they had those memorial services for all the people who died on January 6th. And then it turned out that they were including people who, for whatever reason, committed suicide with a, a year after in some cases. And they said five people and they had the memorial. And then when you look at the the actual deaths, they, they lied about Officer Sicknick. He did not die from violence. He might have been stressed. He died from natural causes the next day. And then we had a protester, a woman that was died probably violently, protester, 
not capital. And then we had a couple of people who had heart seizures. And then we had Ashley Babbitt. The point is not one single death that day was attributed to the protesters. That's a complete lie. And then in the case of uh, supposedly an insurrection, no one, I don't think that anybody has charged Donald Trump with inciting an insurrection. He quoted him in that speech, Jack go over to the Capitol, but he conveniently left out because he is a demagogue. He said he didn't include assemble patriotically and peacefully. He didn't want that in. And so he's trying to gin up anger because what else is he going to talk about? Is he going to say, well, you know, I don't want to talk about January 6th. It's over with. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I gave you guys, I've got in 8 million illegal aliens. I'm going to get 10. I'm going to be the president who got the highest number of foreign nationals in the United States in its history, percentage wise and in absolute number. And then, you know what I did? I had a beautiful withdrawal from Afghanistan. It was one of the most tactically impressive fl- uh, flights that you'll ever seen. And we had the pride flag on the embassy and we had the George Floro, Floyd Murrells. And we had the, one of the best gender studies programs in the Middle East that we sponsored, 70, 80 million bucks. We did that. And then you know what we did? We didn't cause a war because we just said, you know, Chinese spy, let him go over the United States. We don't care. And I told Vladimir Putin, if he's going to go into Ukraine, it depends on whether it's a major or minor and uh, offensive. And I offered Zelensky a ride out to leave his country the first seven days. And on top of that, I made sure everybody in the Middle East knew that I was distancing myself from Israel. I told the Houthis, you're not terrorists. That was a Trump fixation. You're where you're off the terrorist list. And I told the Iranians, we're going to get back in that deal and I'm lifting that sanction. You're going to get $90 billion. We're going to get that from us. And then I said to Hamas, this is so unfair that Mr. Trump cut you off and I'm going to give you money. And I, I changed the whole dynamic and Hamas got confidence again and went into Israel. Is that what he's going to run on? Or is he going to say, you know, since the day I got office to right now as I'm speaking, if you go buy meat and you buy vegetables and you buy a car and you look at your mortgage cost and interest taxes principal, you're paying 30% more. And I had to do that because I am only running up a $2 trillion annual debt. 1.7, it may go to $2 trillion. And I want to tell you another thing. Donald Trump had been scheduled to get up to 16 to 17 million barrels. I cut that down. I canceled the Keystone. I canceled Anwar. I canceled new projects. I canceled leases. And then I had to run for midterm. So I went around to Russia. I had my invoice talk to the Iranians, the Venezuelans, pump more oil. And then I drained uh, a million plus barrels a day from the strategic petroleum. And now I have another election and I boosted uh output almost what it was or maybe what it was under trump i've done all that i don't think he's going to run on any of that i don't think he is when that i I don't know what to say about that corinne jean pierre when she says what he's this great president you know when you look at the more in three years than than anyone else in eight years yeah he destroyed jurisprudence as we knew it there's no crime is just commonplace it's just he really made the whole DIA thing into a racial divisive mess. I can't think of one good thing by any barometer. I know that unemployment rate before COVID was low under Trump. 
and that is, but he had also 1.9 30-year mortgages, not 7.2. And I just don't, it's so frustrating to see that what shape the country is, and then this guy can't defend those things and make the argument. And then it's almost Orwellian when Mayorkas goes to Congress or he says something or Pierre, they say, the border's secure. The border is secure. The border is secure. How can they say that when they have 12, 15,000 people? And they won't tell us why. You know, it's almost like somebody comes in your house and slaps you five times in the face. You say, why are you doing that? And they won't tell you. He's slapping us in the face by destroying the border. He won't say. Yeah, it seems like kind of parallels this all this squatter stuff. You just made the analogy of someone coming in your house. I think but, it's. I, I yes, think there are right. people that are. There's a. There's a. You know the uh, disintegration of of, uh, of our home, whether our home is an actual home or home of a country, and uh, and uh, these people complaining about squatters, and then they can't get rid of them. Yeah, you know, because there's a breakdown in the in the in law and order in the country. But thank you, Joe. Hey, Victor. Um, I want to get a little more from you about. Uh, the speech, but first, um, and, and there's a headline here about from the Daily Mail out today about Jill, Bi- Jill Biden and the post speech. But before we do that, I just want to take a minute uh, to uh, make note of our uh, sponsor today, and that's AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. It's America's leading senior advocacy and benefits organization, and it's the conservative alternative to the AARP. AMAC pays attention to the voices of its members and champions, their concerns on Capitol Hill. Join today. I'm a member. I've been a member myself now for seven seven years or so. You can visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Victor. Membership starts at only $16 and provides you with superior benefits and a community of over 2 million members, just like you, who are dedicated to preserving our traditional American values Uh, You've now seen for yourself how your dollar is funding the system and not taking you as far as it once did, giving your money to organizations like AARP only further funds the decline of our conservative values. So get out of the AARP, folks, if you're in. Join AMAC today. Save our great nation. Visit amac.us slash Victor to choose the right plan for you. We thank AMAC for sponsoring the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor, here's a headline from the Daily Mail uh, this morning, and and we are talking on uh, January uh, 6th. Nice save, Jill. First Lady rushed to embrace zoned-out Biden 81 after he finished speech, then went into trance-like state on stage. Victor, this is a no-different-man trance-like after a speech now in january than he was two months ago two years ago even and there was much thought that there's no way this guy is actually going to be the actual candidate but i i think he is i I think joe biden is gonna um, minus some natural uh, event uh or permanently permanent event uh he's going to be the guy um actually in the saddle on uh, in November what do you do you well, believe yeah, I, that uh well first of all 
remember the off-quoted Kuber Ross's five stages of acceptance of death when you you're shocked at the cancer uh, diagnosis and then you think you can de defeat it and then yeah. you anyway in this process you finally come to resignation and what happens with Joe Biden is we were shocked in 2015 and 16 when he would forget things and I if you remember Cory Booker at one point said this guy is not capable right and then he ran um excuse me excuse me in 2020 and then in 2020 and 20 uh 19 and 20 he ran from the basement claiming covid and then he had these it, it got geometric rather than arithmetic the decline and we've watched it but what we don't appreciate is at the same time our standards of expectation have lowered commiserately so now when he gets on screen and he just completely slurs his words and you cannot understand him. And I don't think he's stuttering. Donald Trump made fun of him. I don't think he should have done that, stuttering. And then the left said, well, Trump is making fun of a childhood stutter that poor Biden has struggled with. He should have said he's not able to be coherent. And that is important for a president. But the point is, we have come to expect it now. And we just we just say, that's old Joe. He, he He's the president. He's our first mentally challenge cognitive challenge at present i don't expect anything from him when he gives a speech he'll go the wrong way that's joe when he comes down the stairs he may trip that's what we've done that's yeah. that's number one so yes we're, we're just acculturated to that that okay. what he's done and the second thing is that when he talks and he and he says things I think what you've talked about so far today is that what you're getting at is that he he gets his eyes get beady almost. And I got kind of reprimanded on a Fox show. I won't mention the host because I said he was reptilian. I didn't mean that in a mean way, but he does look reptilian. Yeah. And he there's something about him when he gets angry and he starts spouting and it's the inner Biden. It really is. It, and it's. It's crazy. And all he can do is damn um, this nebulous, uh, not clearly defined group of Americans that he thinks are trying to wage a war against democracy. Now, our listeners, you and I think when he says that, we think um, automatically, well, let's use data criteria to adjudicate that claim. So there was Christopher Steele, a foreign national, who illegally participated in a political campaign and was paid by both the FBI and Hillary Clinton, although disguised through three paywalls. And it was completely a lie, and they ran with it, and Russian collusion prompted a 22-month effort by Robert Mueller to destroy the Trump administration. It didn't work. And then there was laptop mis misinformation, and then there was the phone call which we know now was perfectly legitimate because the whole Biden family was compromised and Victor Shokin really did want to investigate and he was fired and then bragged about by Joe Biden that firing. And then we get into the whole Biden crime stuff and then we get into January 6th that it wasn't bipartisan. We, go, we can go through all of that. And the result is that by going on the offensive 
and they were projecting what they're doing and they feel all of them on the left, hard left, maybe even all the left, whether it's packing the Supreme Court or trying to bring in two or more states they brought up or trying to get the filibuster uh, removed when they're in the majority or trying to destroy the electoral college or having the national voter compact where you go around it by having states vote that they're they're going to accept the uh, popular uh, vote of the nation rather than of their state or what we saw in 2016 with Jill Stein suing to stop the voting machines in three states count or the Hollywood stars that tried to make advocate that we have false electors or faithless electors to renounce their constitutional duty we could and all the law we could look at all of that and it's a systematic way to destroy the electoral policy uh, practice and protocols as we've known it on one premise one premise and the premise is that donald trump is so evil and so dangerous that we can use any means necessary and we can lie. We have, we have to, to get rid of them. And the weird thing about it was that convinced people in 2020. I don't know why it did. I think it was a, a process of George Floyd. I think the COVID lockdown and the manipulation of laws and recalibration of them in key states where they went from 30% mail-in to 70 in some states. But the point is, I don't think it's going to work because people listen to that now and they know that everything the main media and the Democrats said about Trump turned out to be false. And they look at his four years. They should have done that in 2020, but they didn't look at it because they were they bought this line that Joe Biden would come in and either match it or make it better. And now they have a comparison border. Trump border Biden border interest rates border Trump border uh, interest rates Trump Biden foreign policy Biden Trump Israel Afghanistan balloon China compare crime before now energy before now and you can see it Biden crime family versus supposed Donald Trump with a ping and his alpha bank connection to Trump Tower, bogus. So I just don't think it's going to work. They can compare two four-year terms. They've heard this horse be scream being beaten to death, all of these January 6th stuff. I just don't think it's going to work. And I think the more that he does it, the more that it offends people. And while I don't think he's going to get a majority of the Hispanic vote or get you know, 33% or 40% of the black, all this stuff that people say. It's possible he can get 40% Trump can of the Hispanic vote and maybe 15% of the black vote. And that means that Joe Biden would have to make a historic inroads with the white working class that he's totally lost. And I think he's going to lose more, not less. So that's just a backdrop of why he is so strident. And when he's going to stop start his campaign, why doesn't he say, here's what I did for America on the border. I got rid of that damn wall. Look what I did to America. I got out of Afghanistan, a very great strategically successful logistical operation. He doesn't say any of that. Well, Victor, so, um, that's it. Yeah. Um, 
the the January sixth focus and theme, it seems to be will be the theme of of the Biden campaign. In uh, to some people, uh, is is going to be a failure. And one of those people is, is our friend uh, Julie Kelly, and she has something a very interesting analysis. And we will get your thoughts on that right after these important messages. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. We're recording on January 6th, Saturday. This particular episode should be up on. Jeez, I forget now. <laughs> I should have counted my days. Well, the first two in a couple of days. Anyway. Uh, and I should have also mentioned the Blade of Perseus. That's Victor's official website at victorhanson.com. At the end of the of this uh, episode, I will tell you all why you should be subscribing there but now julie is a a dear friend an old friend um she used to write for national review she wrote for american greatness and now she writes for her own substack but there's nobody but nobody who's covered a january 6th and the many many trials and very troubling uh jurisprudence if you want to call it that that's ensued uh, from federal judges and courts and prosecutors. But she is a student of January 6th. And here's what she wrote uh, to, I think it was today, Victor, on the 6th. Yes. Um, she wrote, um, part of me is gratified by this maniacal speech. She's talking about Biden's speech. Why? Because it proves we are prevailing over the J- J6 narrative. Biden Matthew Graves, Merrick Garland, celebs January 6th cops, their stunts over the past few days show they are losing control over January 6th. Um, They thought it would end the GOP and result in mass defections to the Democratic Party. They thought it would end questions about the 2020 election. They didn't think anyone would ever question what happened, how it happened, or expose the lies it was built upon. They thought their dirty secrets would be hidden forever. She goes on. This is on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, um, posted today by Julie. So yeah, Victor, her theme, you know, go ahead, go ahead, focus on January 6th. It just is not going to work, not work well enough to bring Joe Biden uh, a second term. Your thoughts, Victor? I don't think it is. And you know, I look at the fact checkers and they have been Fact-checking, everybody knows where it's PolitiFact or Washington is just a left-wing monopoly. And they try to contort the evidence with a veneer of authority. And it's completely unreliable. It's biased. But even the fact-checkers, if you look at them 
on January 6th, they'll tell you two people died of a heart attack. One person, if you look at the protesters say that the crush of the crowd contributed to her death. The medical examiner said she had amphetamines in her her blood. That's disputable, but it's a she was a Trump supporter, a third Trump supporter. Then there was Officer Sicknick, who died of a stroke the next day. And then there was Ashley Babbitt. We've talked about that. So that whole narrative has been completely repudiated that five, ten people died and five police officers. That's what the Biden said. And it would be like if I was driving yesterday uh, back from visiting. I had a meeting and it was near the Kings River and there was a lot of traffic and I was on McCall Avenue and somebody pulled out right in front of me. I mean, they just ran the stop sign and there had been a, a professor killed there. It was weird. So it was a very dangerous intersection and I was kind of shaken. So I come home, Jack, and let's say I dropped dead and I have high blood pressure or I had a problem. And then do, do you say that I, he killed me, that person? And say, a I shouldn't say tomorrow, three days later, 10 days, months later that I died, then it was because I was stressed out at that intersection. Well, that's what they're saying, that anybody who died in the Capitol Police from the, the first day for months, it was culpable. And nobody, and Julie has pointed out, nobody believes that. And nobody believes that those people who were arrested for illegal parading and so-called disruption were planning a armed insurrection. There was nobody arrested in the Capitol with a gun. There was nobody. I think one person might have had a knife or something. There was no effort to take over the government, seize a radio station, do anything. It was a buffoonish mob that should not have been in a federal facility at that time that was not freely open to the public. And that might get you a year in prison. I don't know. But compared to, as I keep saying, the 120 days of 2020, when 1,500 officers, why doesn't Joe Biden say, well, there are a lot of officers were stressed and there was uh, some people who committed Suicide, but you know, in, in May Antifa BLM, 1,500 people were injured and 35 were killed, and we had 35, 40 deaths, as, as I said, and we had two billion dollars in damage, and they tried, they burned a police precinct, and they burned burned a one of our federal courthouses, and they attacked the St. John's Church in Washington, and they tried to get in, break over the fence, and get to Trump, and the, he doesn't say any of that, and those people, 14,000 of them at the time, were brought into custody by the police for their violence, and they didn't really prosecute any of them, few of them. And then, you know, here in California, Jack, we just had the Palestinians, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, violent demonstrators break into the California legislature during why it was in session to disrupt it. Nobody's saying that Congress, the full Congress was in session and they swarmed through and stopped the voting. Right. There may have been hearings and activities, but do you think the left is going to arrest those people and then bring them under state charges for or maybe federal racketeering or crossing state lines? They're not going to do that. So what Julie's trying to say that if you digest this and you look in retrospect and you see the completely asymmetrical way that they treated one group versus all the other groups who trump that group's activities, 
and more violent, but they know that it's a political, it's a political process. And and then we also know it from this reason. They're all saying now they, the Biden camp, that Donald Trump is going to be, remember dictator revenge when he comes in, we can't let him. I think Robert Kagan wrote that Washington Post. If he's there, he'll take, because they're projecting. They're projecting. They know what they have done and they know how they would act if that had been done to them and they regain power and they just assume that Donald Trump thinks like they do. He may or may not, but there's no evidence that when he was there the first time, he took extra legal powers to pay back the people who were trying to destroy him with Russian collusion. There's no evidence at all. And uh, that's not to say that I think people should go protest uh, the voting in the Capitol. I think there's other ways to do it. If you feel the election wasn't, you have a perfect constitutional right to do everything that's nonviolent. But for me, going to the Capitol, if you had been peaceful and not gone into the actual rotunda or where it was forbidden, I think that day, it was it was okay if it was peaceful. But you got to remember in 2016, the left, they got, they rounded up people that were trying to vote not to accept in the House, the electors, as they'd done in 2004. And they had Hollywood celebrities they they organized to get on TV. Remember that? Yeah, gosh. Be faithless. Do not honor your constitutional view. So the whole thing, everybody understands that now, and it's crystallizing. And Julie Kelly has been the most effective reporter, and she's she's she crosses every T and dots every I, and she's been very good, and she's interviewed prisoners, and she's she's just brought to light and along with judicial watch and we've got we've got more hours of the tapes now we see different angles we've had capitol police high officers even the head say that there had been request for additional security and it was stopped by nancy pelosi and and democrats because they wanted this psychodrama and then we put it into context and we look at COVID and why did this country lock down and go into this deadly, complete quarantine? It was mostly Anthony Fauci and Burks and the left and, you know, that hyped up mask and quarantines and social distancing and booster, booster, booster. And it was all about, I think a lot of it was political. We looked at George Floyd and then after that, DEI just exploded. We had thousands of diversity people were in this racial tension we had. They they ginned that all up. More evidence is coming out about Officer Shalvin, the autopsy report, and a civil suit came out. And that's what they do. And so it's January 6th. It's George Floyd. It's the COVID, lock, COVID lockdown. And sometimes they're candid about it, Jack. During the COVID lockdown here in California, Gavin Newsom said it gives us an opportunity for a more equitable capitalism. Hillary Clinton said this is a chance to get single payer. All echoing Rahm Emanuel never let a serious crisis go to waste in reference to 2008 meltdown. Yeah. So that's what the left does. They wait for a period of nat- national tension or crisis, and then they use it to change voting laws or to run up new economic bromides in 2008 or to increase governor government powers during the quarantine 
are to get a racially divisive agenda institutionalized after George Floyd. And then the people wake up. I said, oh, my God. From Mr. Ackman, he says, oh, my God, I thought DEI was equitable. I didn't realize it was racist. Yeah, it is. And then people wake up and say, wow, Scott Atlas was right. So was Jay Bacharya. There was more people that died probably from the quarantine. They missed school. They had economic downturns. They didn't go get their cancer screening. They didn't get that operation. They There was spousal abuse, suicides. The boosters were iffy. They might have been more dangerous than the, the actual next variant of COVID. They were right. How did it? Why did I attack them? They were right. And oh, my God, if we had have just ridden out the 2000 sequel under Obama and rather than keep pumping money in like Obama did and like Biden did after COVID, we might not have had all this inflation and we might have had, you know, better growth. So we wake up. That's how they work. The left has done that throughout history. They wait for an occasion of crisis, and then they move in, and they make structural changes in society. And in that chaos, they give you things like three genders, or men and women sports, right. or clotting gay, and that's how that's how they act. And uh, they're, they're they're mean people, and they mean business. And yeah. You cross them and they'll go after you. I can tell you that from my experience at Stanford University and other things. And it never ceases. They're a lidless eye. They never blink. They never sleep. And so Julie's done a really great job yeah. with exposing this whole construct of January 6th. I didn't think Biden would still go back there, but that's all he has against Trump. Yeah. And... uh well, you know, I, I, I would say that if Trump is the nominee, and we'll talk about that later at the end of the broadcast, but if he's the nominee and he just restricts a little bit of his invective and ad hominem, he will win big. By that, I mean, as I said earlier, if he's critiquing that January 6th demagogue, demagogic speech by Joe Biden, and he says, I, if he says something like, well, you know, most of it was untrue, but it was also incoherent. I couldn't understand what he was trying to say. He's confused. Rather than making fun of him stuttering, if that's what he did, I, I heard him saying, you know, if he said he'd slurred his words or this, that's one thing, or his grammar was a mess. But when he gives that media, and I know a lot of people listening say, Victor, it doesn't matter what he says. They hate him anyway. No matter what he says, they're going to exaggerate. I know that. I know that. But I don't give them any match to light their arson fire. And that's right. what he needs to do. I think. And I think he would win if that's true. Right. Because there are a lot of fungible votes out there still to sure. be had. And people, many people vote on, I like that guy or I don't like that guy. It's that simple. So they, they, they do. You make and yourself unlikable. It You know, people will. People will vote that way and pay the price by voting in the wrong person. And, you know, I'm just watching the primaries, and I think this is the first debate next Wednesday where DeSantis will face Haley. Haley will face DeSantis. And we haven't had that yet, you know, mono on mono, head to head. And that may be different because you really don't have a debate, as we learn, when you have eight or nine candidates. Because what happens is 
you give the attention and airtime to the person who screams the loudest or is the most out of control. And that turned, tended to be Christy and Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be on the stage. And I think it will proceed this way. It'll be like the Newsom DeSantis. Haley is very, very articulate. She is young. She's She looks good. She's ambitious. She's energetic. She has a lot of good canned one-liners. She's like Newsom. I have nothing against her, but I think she will come out and for the first 10 to 15 minutes of the two-hour debate, if that's what it is, and I think it is, she will use her arsenal, her whole quiver, and she will have some smart things to say, and she'll... And then he, it's kind of a hare in the tortoise, like DeSantis was with Newsom. But when you look at his experience as governor and his knowledge and everything, I think after 30 minutes, he can draw on a repertoire of actual achievement and knowledge that starts to wear her down. And I think that's what's going to happen. And I think that will be good. And what I'm getting at is I don't I think that his strategy is to win uh, second place in Iowa, then who knows what, New Hampshire. And then uh, we we will have a, a standoff in South Carolina. At some point, one of two things are going to happen. Either one or two things are going to happen. Either they're both going to continue in the race and Trump's going to win, or one person's going to coalesce with the other one, and then it's going to be a spirited I don't know. I mean, there's still going to be an honor dog, whoever that is. Right. But it will be an open, vigorous debate. It's not going to be like I'm getting back. I'm clumsily trying to reply to your earlier question, which I ignored. And I shouldn't have. And that was what's going to happen with Joe Biden. You suggested he's going to get nominated. I think he's going to be nominated with an asterisk. Mm. And that means it's kind of too late to get all the candidates on the ballot. And they are going to go after this Phillips guy and Cornell West and Jill Stein, if she comes on and Robert Kennedy, because they know that all together they could get 10 or 12%. And so I don't know, they won't be able to stop Joe Biden. He will be in August nominated. But then I think from now until August, he's again, he's declining at a rate that they look at. It's kind of like Roosevelt in late 1944 summer when they knew they had to nominate him because they thought he could win, but they knew he wouldn't be there. I don't think they think Biden can win on like FDR. Right. So I would think it would be a brokered convention where they would get together and try to give those delegates to another candidate. And that could be Josh Shapiro, Amy Kobachar, Gavin Newsom, Michelle Obama. And then as part of the package, they got to have to do something with Kamala Harris because they do not want her to be the nominee and they do not want her to run for vice president again. And maybe they would let her run for vice president with a different candidate, but that would be so humiliating for the vice president just to stay there and not to step up that that would be hard to pull off. But I think that's their strategy and we'll see if it works or not, but they've got a real problem because if they keep this ticket, He's not going to be able to campaign. He's not going to be able to debate, even with his Adderall or whatever the medications he took and the rest. And Donald Trump, I think, will if he's a nominee, will not do what he did in the first debate. He will debate like he did in the second debate, which he won, but which 50 million people had already voted. 
So he would beat Joe Biden. And they know that Kamala Harris, the more she goes around in campaigns, the more that hurts Biden. So I, I just don't think that's going to be a viable thing for those uh, the Democrats, and they're going to have to come up with something. So what I'm getting at in this windy manner is that the Republican primary, I think, will be more open, more transparent. It'll give people the chance. And I think it will basically be that most voters think that Donald Trump and DeSantis's agendas are pretty MAGA-like. Maybe right. even DeSantis is more conservative on things like abortion and other things. And then it will be a question is, do you want a competent technocrat, sober and judicious for the MAGA emissary? Or do you want Donald Trump, who's lively, charismatic, but also Donald Trump? And that can be. And so far, I think if you look at the polls, they would want the MAGA agenda with Donald Trump on the on the theory that he's charismatic and he will go to the juggler on the left. But I think DeSantis will. I don't know about Haley again, as I said. I think all of us, Jack, believe that of the two candidates who are running against Trump and, and even Trump himself, they have a much better chance, opportunity to expand the mega base, the base, get them out, right. get them. Right. And she does. And she has a better chance to get independence, but the independence that she will bring on the ticket, I don't think will make up for the people who will not vote or not come out or not give money if she's a nominee. I don't know what it is. I have nothing against her. And I will vote. As I said, I got a lot of weird letters, Jack. You remember when I said I would vote for her if she's a nominee? Yes. I got people well, said, how dare you? Well, well can I, can, can, let me just interrupt here. Why would I uh, do that, though, Jack? Why would we vote uh, for Joe Biden over her Nikki Haley? That's insane. I know. But I'll give you an opportunity here to clarify on some other point. Because you did an interview with uh, Ann Coulter um, a couple weeks back. and it I just, think it was a month ago. Okay, it's just come out, but yeah. it's out, except it's not out. It's behind a paywall. But she did uh, put out a tweet. Sorry for those who don't call it tweet anymore. She put out a tweet implying that you said something to the effect, like, you know, like Trump's not electable. You won't, don't, Republicans won't vote for Trump, et cetera. Of course, you can't hear it. Uh, you, you know, you, I can't go and listen to it. It's behind a paywall. Anyway, Victor, it's that little thing is out there. I, I yeah, I got, I got a lot I of it, which I got some yeah. I got some emails about it. And all I can tell you was I spoke at an event, uh, uh, two events in Palm Beach. And part of that. Um, what's the word contract or obligation for me? I had agreed to speak at this event. And, and one of them was to give an interview with Ann Coulter. And so I did. And I did it from a person's house and there were other people in the room. And uh, first of all, I didn't know it was behind. A, I don't I would not have done it if it you know, was behind a paywall. That's number one. Number two, I thought I was going to get a copy before I was told I would get a link. I never got it. Then I thought it was going to come out. That was done somewhere like the 9th or 10th of December. So it's almost a month. It hasn't come out. So all of a sudden I get all this email that she has a 30 second trailer and you can't see it or you can't hear it unless you pay her to get the, the, the big interview. 
And in it, kind of luridly, she says, she doesn't, she doesn't play what I'm saying, but she says that I said that I agreed that they wouldn't win the, the Hispanic vote, the Republicans. And I do agree that if I, if you define win the vote 51%, there's no way, as I said, and she, she asked me that and I agreed with her that this kind of Carl Rove idea that family values would eventually tip the Hispanics over to the Republican side. If that means 51%, I don't see it. Even now with what the Biden administration has done to Mexican-Americans in terms of the economy and flooding, I still don't think they're going to get 51% of the Mexican vote. I do think they might get 40 like W did. And that'll be very, very hard for Biden to win with 40, but not there. He's, I don't see the Mexican-American vote and especially with the open borders and all that going to Republicans yet. So that was number one. And she was absolutely right about that. The other thing she said is that I wouldn't vote for Donald Trump and I didn't think he could win. And I want to see the transcript because I talked to her before and during the interview. I don't know which is actually in the interview, but I don't remember that. And there were some Trump supporters in the house in which I did it on Zoom. And I don't think they would say that I said that. What I said was, I'm not going to get involved in the primary. And I, that's been what you and I've talked about this all these podcasts. I say if DeSantis were to win, if Trump is going to win. Because I like them both. And I'm not going to get in and start attacking one or the other. I really don't. And... Right now, it looks like Trump's going to win, and I will be a big supporter of Trump. If DeSantis pulls off an upset, I will be a big supporter of DeSantis, and I will try to appeal to all Trump supporters to vote for DeSantis. If it's Nikki Haley, that will be a hard sell, Jack, because I don't believe that she is a traditional conservative. But when I look at Joe Biden and I look at the Obamas who are running the Joe Biden agenda and I look what he's done to the country and if I have a chance to vote for Nikki Haley over that I will do it a nanosecond I don't care what anybody says and anybody listening should do that I will vote for anybody over Joe Biden except <laughs> I don't know about Michelle Obama but it'd be close <laughs> because so that's number one yeah so I said that I wasn't going to get involved and I guess she said he's not going to vote for Donald Trump I didn't say that I don't think I did at least I didn't. The other thing, as you said, I don't think he's going to win. I said, she said, I don't think he's going to win. I said, he's got a lot of legal problems. And I still don't know how this is going to handle play out. I don't think the people in the Trump campaign know either. Every time we've said Latita James is crazy, no one in their right mind would ever go after somebody for overvaluing real estate in a loan application that had no deleterious effects for anyone and profited the bank. And yet you put her as the prosecutor and you look at the judge and you look at the jury pool and I have a feeling that she might be able to do a lot of damage to Donald Trump. And then you look at Fannie Willis, nobody in their right mind would think that a candidate who calls a registrar is angry to see his lead dissipate and then have all of these anecdotal reports. And he says, he didn't say, get me. He said, find me the votes. I know they're there. 
I don't think anybody in their right mind would say that was insurrectionary. And yet you put an Atlanta jury and Fannie Willis is the prosecutor who ran like Latita James on her promise to get Donald Trump. And you get a judge from that territory, region, area. And I think they can do a lot of damage to him. I don't think anybody in their right mind would ever believe that this demagogic, fake excuse for a prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, who bragged he was going to get Trump, could possibly say that a non-disclosure form constituted a campaign finance violation. It's just absurd. And when you look at Hillary Clinton hiring Christopher Steele, who was in it, it's illegal to hire a foreign national to work in a presidential campaign. And he did. She did. You could do you could you could put every candidate in jail for infractions that were greater than Donald Trump's Stormy Daniels stuff. And yet you give a New York jury, you get him as a prosecutor and you get a New York judge. And I think they can do a lot of damage to him. I don't think that anybody believes that Jack Smith is fair. His wife has had partisan promotion for Michelle Obama. He went after a Democratic governor in Virginia, was reversed 9-0. He has a reputation for being partisan, sloppy, kind of vindictive. We've seen he's tried to rush this thing so he could get it before the election. He's tried to put... uh, squash orders, you know, suppression of gag orders, et cetera, on Trump. He's expanded this thing into January 6th. We all know that Joe Biden had no legal ability to declassify papers as vice president. He had him in his garage for 10, 15 years. We don't know how, what, why he did that. We know that there was a lot greater corpus of illegally brought out papers than Donald Trump did. And yet, You put him in certain areas of Florida, a big city like Miami, if that's where it is, and you give a left-wing judge and you get him in there and you put all four of those together. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if Donald Trump can get over. And that's what I said. I don't know if he can win. And I don't know what the reaction of everybody listening to it is. It's either one of three things, Jack. It is, this makes me angrier. They took him off the ballot illegally. And I, they're going to do this. And I don't give a damn whether they convict him. I don't give a damn whether he's in jail. There's nothing in the Constitution that says a president can't run from jail or be a felon if he's 35 and he's been here 15 years and he's a naturally born citizen. I'm going to vote for him. I don't care if he's in San Quentin. I don't. That's one group. The second is... Kind of like, uh, did you ever see True Romance, Jack? That one Tarantino wrote, uh, Tony Scott wrote it with, uh, it was a, it's a great movie. I, I know I Sammy watched. No. Yeah, well, there's a thing, guy called Elliot in there, <laughs> and there's a shootout at the end. Sean Penn's brother's in it. There's every, every, it's a great story, and Christian Slater is a great guy. He's in there, and uh, Rosanna Arquette, I guess that's her name, but it, it's a great movie. I think it is. Christopher Walken is great in it, and he can't take it. So he finally he kind of gets into a, a few, you know, a Ted Turner a fetal thing. When Ted Turner said he used to curl up in a ball and put his hands over his ears, and I can't take it anymore. I don't know if that's going to be the reaction. People will just say, 
okay, I like Trump, I like it, but I just can't take his rallies and then the reaction to it and the psychodramas and the court cases. I just want to get rid of it. I just want to get normality. I don't know if that's the reaction. Or I don't know the third reaction is people say, Victor, I just tune it out. I neither get angry and want to vote for him more for the injustice done him, nor do I get, I just expect it. I just, I'm just going to vote on his agenda. And I don't know what it is. And that's, that was what was behind. I was trying to tell her, but all of a sudden this sensational thing, Victor Hansen says, you know, listen to my, listen to my 30 second trailer where I claim Victor Hansen says Trump can't win. He won't vote for him. Hispanics won't vote Republican. Oh, by the way, pay this money and you can hear it. That's what. <laughs> and you I, need I, I wish Anna, like if that, Anna's Victor. listening, would you please send me a link so I can listen to it? Yes, the missing. And I could complain that, you know, it was really weird. I got a really bad flu uh, the day before. So I had 101 temperature when I did it. I'm not saying that it affected my speech, but if you see it, I'm I look like I have no color in my face at all. I'm completely white. So I look terrible, but I look terrible anyway, but I was really ill. And so that if somebody says, well, you didn't look like yourself, I look like a ghost, but I was really ill. And I had to give a I had to give an, a lecture, or actually answer questions in a forum just thirty minutes after that was over. But so I I I, I guess what I'm saying is, if she had just told me, uh, Victor, we're going to do an interview. This is my podcast. There's a paywall. People have to pay uh, to listen. And I'm going to run a trailer, and I will send you a link. As she did say or her producer did, then I would have felt, you know what I mean? If she just said, this right. is a paywall, I'm going to run a trailer. Uh, and as I said, I'm going to send you a link. And she'd sent me a link. I wouldn't have a problem. I could just listen to it. And maybe people can go on and see if I, but uh, I will definitely vote for Donald Trump if he's the nominee. And I will do all I can within the bounds of my job at Hoover, which has certain limitations right. on expression and as a syndicated columnist which you have certain guidelines you can't you know you can't be a rabid partisan right. um, and I think I have already by exposing each week I, I try to every other week I try to write the injustices that have been done him I, I just finished a column today about it for Monday on American greatness but uh, I will also vote for anybody who's the candidate and um, I guess what I'm trying to get at, Jack, is I don't like this idea that we're fighting. I would, I know that is the stuff with that everybody does, but I kind of like the Reagan idea, you know. Right. I I just don't. I just wish that. Uh, I know that Trump is that way, and he says desanctimonious. He's making fun of the way he dissent. I just wish he wouldn't do that. I, I just wish why, they would. Why run. does supporting Trump require the vilification of DeSantis when the true I don't understand enemy that. is is Biden slash Hillary Clinton slash etc. This terrible leftist monster over there. It's, it's just it's so. I, I don't understand the Florida. Here. When I go to Florida, he got a lot of help from people coming in, conservatives fleeing places like my state. But he's done a wonderful job. And anybody listens that that debate with Newsom, he just went, it was just, you know, it wasn't a great uh, charismatic, you know, performance JFK or anything. But man, 
he just showed you what a mess California was compared to what he had done. And I know that Donald Trump helped him, and Donald Trump probably got him elected. And I understand that Donald Trump is angry, so I understand the tension. I think there's latitude for people to go back and forth. But when you say things about his wife maybe not really having cancer, or he maybe he did have plat, uh, you know, things in his shoe, I don't know. But just to say that he walks like a duck, that personal stuff, I don't see that that helps, and that that gets to. Yeah, that gets to the stuff. There's a lot of things you can say about uh, Joe Biden, but, the, you know, to make fun of his stutter as if it's not age related, but it's innate is just giving the, the left. So I wish he wouldn't do that. And I disagree with a lot of stuff that Nikki Haley believes. And I don't think that she has a record. She said in the past, Jack, that you shouldn't use the word illegal alien. I think People who come across the border from different countries uh, are aliens, and that's a Latin word, leon and a, the alpha privative, not of this place, not of this country. And if you break the law, then you do it illegally. So illegal alien is not a term of disparagement. And she, I think in 2015, got on that hobby horse. I think she was very clumsy about the Civil War. It did have that central root. Mm -hmm. With slavery and the manifestations of that were all connected in different issues to slavery. She made an error the other day about correcting the Iowa vote. Oh, I get all that. And so I'm not a big fan. I'm not sure that she's a true conservative, but I do know that she's much more conservative and the people around her will be much more conservative than Joe Biden. So yeah. if... I say that, and I did say it. Maybe there, maybe somebody would say, Victor Hansen says he's willing to vote for Nikki Haley. <laughs> and Trump, uh, I guess what I'm saying is I pretty much recapped what I said in the interview, and I can see how somebody would say, Victor yeah. Hansen said Trump can't win, and he's going to vote for Nikki Haley. And that's what I think. So maybe if she'll just send me the link, and I will listen to it. Yeah. And uh, I've asked somebody to... And I like Ann Coulter. You know, it's really funny, just as an excursus, Jack, in a weird way. I don't know if you remember this. You were the editor. Oh, I do. I That was my chance to be a columnist. I owe you yeah. and I yeah. owe Rich uh, Lowry. Rich Lowry. I really, you know, everybody, I left National Review because I thought That's it's ironic as we're talking. Yeah, on. I thought that All they right. were, there were people that were attacking Donald Trump. All when right. you write that he's a monkey in a helicopter. I don't yeah. I don't like that. I think it was an so, ape. Not a <laughs> yeah, I got tired of, you know, I'll be frank. I got tired uh -huh. of David French, just Trump this, this, this. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I All left. Right. But I've always liked Rich Lowe. I was embedded with him yeah. in Iraq. Um, we were kind of shelled at the airport together. I've always liked Rich. I still like Rich. I think yeah. he's a good person. I really like yeah, him a lot. And he called me on 9-11, and I was on my way in an airplane to... Hillsdale College to give a lecture on George Patton. And the pilot left Fresno and he said, this is tragic. He said, a small plane hit the World Trade Center, some private plane. Can you believe they're going to shut down all of the airspace? We're going back to Fresno. Mm. <laughs> we went to Fresno and they said, you're not allowed to leave the airport for two hours. 
Rich called me from the airport and said, you know, I've seen your, I, I used to write for the Wall Street Journal about every three or four months in op-ed. I, I, you know, I got along with Max Boot. He was the editor. David Asman, I loved. He was a great editor. Right. And they were, gave me a chance and I would write. And Rich said, I read some of you, I like your soul about it. Would you like to write a week? I said, well, each week, in fact, two times a week, we'll pay you $50 a column for me with three kids at that time, $100 a week, $400 a month to do eight columns. I thought it was in heaven, Jack. I buy a lot of diapers with that. Milk, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said to Rich, okay. And he said, but I said, how? what happened? Why did you call? And he said, that, and I, you're the edit, editor-in-chief, and you know, I mean, you were the publisher, so you know better. But he said that, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to, but he said that Anne had sent a column, and she had written, mm -hmm. suggesting that we should nuke Mecca and convert everybody. Or, turn it to yeah, turn yeah. It to glass. And they couldn't publish the survivors to Christians, the, yeah. and they couldn't publish that. And she either quit. Is that what happened? She quit, know. and she on the, as on the way out, uh, we were girly men. Girly men, yes. Yeah. So I just they called me, and I was happy. So Anne gave me a chance, yes, maybe indirectly, to have a weekly column, and that was <laughs> twenty three years ago. And I appreciate that. And I have never <laughs> spoken ill of her. The only disagreement I might have had was I thought that I voted for Mitt Romney, but I didn't think he was, the, you know, I mean, she loved Mitt Romney. She thought he was perfect. She she said, Romney, Romney. I just, I preferred, uh, I don't know who was, and it wasn't. John McCain in 2008, there was another, maybe it was Huckabee or something, but yeah. I, I was skeptical about that. But then I, 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 I wrote columns supporting him easily over Barack Obama. Yeah. And I so think that, in that our lifetimes, my... there, yeah, there are very few times where we come across somebody who we, oh my gosh, I love him and I want to do everything I can to get him elected versus acceptable, okay, versus anybody but that schmuck, you know, anybody but Biden in this case. So, yeah, it's right. I don't think my diagnosis has changed of Donald Trump when I wrote the case for Trump. Right. I hadn't talked to him. I never met him when I wrote it. I read every book that he'd written or ghostwritten or co-written, whatever. I went back and writ looked at videos and I came to the conclusion he was a tragic hero. And that was the theme of the book. Yeah. Meaning that he had a skill set and he, given his experience in the business community and dealing with unions and environmental and marginalized people, DI groups and crooked politicians. And yet he he had an animal cunning and savvy and yeah. he would come in and correct the mess of the Obama administration. But in the process, like Shane, as I said, or Gary right. Cooper in High Noon or the Magnificent Seven, John Wayne, John searchers. Wayne and the searchers yeah. Yeah. that as he became more successful, People would then have the leisure to look at not what he had done because they were the beneficiaries of it, right. but the methodologies that he used. And they would finally say, I can't believe we invited Shane in here. He killed the gunslingers. We don't believe in that. Or I can't believe John Wayne got back Natalie Wood because he's a racist. Or I can't believe the Magnificent Seven saved the village because they're gunmen. Or, you know what I mean? I can't believe yeah. Will Kane 
it was badge down on the ground, but he did get rid of it. And so that was what I was saying. I said it wasn't going to end up well for him because people would not appreciate a tragic hero. And I was drawing on, I think John, I don't know if John Ford, who had that theme in a lot of his like the three godfathers, the, the yes. part of it's that a, theme, you know, bad guys who do a good thing. But Yes, and it comes out of Sophocles. Uh, when you look at the Oedipus Rex, a very flawed person who saves the city from a plague, but his hamartia, his existential flaws will be exploited, and then people will turn on him because he does things that are just out of the unnatural, like marry his mother, even inadvertently. He's stained. Same thing like Ajax, the old warrior, a man from a different age that doesn't have the Odysseus-like skills to navigate the polis. And you've got to get rid of him. He killed. Live nobly or nobly die, he says in that great play, the Arphilictides. So that's what I was trying to say. And I haven't changed. I think that's what Trump's tragedy is, is that he may have had the best four years we've ever enjoyed as far as his agenda. It wasn't always right. completed because of the oppositional forces against him, but people got angry about the way that he conducted himself, even though, and this is what's even more ironic, Jack, in some ways, the tragic hero's methodology is essential to getting the agenda done. And that right. means that if you're going to be John Wayne and the searchers, Ethan Allen, Edwards, and you're going to go out and go out and go out, and you're going to spend your whole life getting back Natalie Wood, then you might have to have an existential hatred, right, of Indians, which he does, right. in order to, to power you to be that venomous. Or if you're if you're Shane and you you want to renounce your past, and you're going to why would you then blow up your life and go kill the gunslingers and make sure you couldn't live there because you had a deep, I think, love for Gene Arthur and and the family. Right. And so the tragic hero makes a decision that he wants to do these things and he understands that he can't do them the way they want them to do it, but that he has techniques that will solve the problem, but it will alienate them in the same way. And that's when Shane rides away and he says to... Brandon to Wild, uh, tell your mom there's no more guns in the valley. You don't have to worry about me anymore. I'm not going to bring, show you how to shoot. I'm not going to yeah. do any of that. I'm done. But I'm also, you're done with the people who want to kill you. I got rid of them. And Trump is basically, yeah. you turn me loose. I will make fun of Joe Biden stuff. I'll do anything. And I will match the left mano to mano and I will get an agenda done. But I want to warn you. That when I come back in and I get interest rates back down and I start addressing the border, we get the wall finished, we do that. I'm going to have to say things and do stuff that is so outrageous. It's going to turn you off, but it won't turn you off until you are a beneficiary of what I do. And then I'm going to give you the leisure and the margin of error and the laxity to enjoy what I've done for you. So then you can be repulsed by me. And that's the whole, that's what tragedy is. Yeah. It really is. That's what history is. And so that's what I, I still think that is Trump's tragedy. And he can't change. If you sat Donald Trump down and said, Don, I can get you five more points in a landslide 
victory in 2024. I, I can get rhinos. I can get independent. Here's what we're going to do. You're not going to make fun of the way people look or their accent. And you're going to have, I got this person here. He's a hardcore MAGA person, but he's going to look over every tweet right. that you write. Right. And make sure it's not in capital letters. It's not misspelled. There's no right. personal invective. And we're going to do this and we're going to win. And we're not going to lose the base. In fact, the base will appreciate that you can't do that. Yeah. And then he's going to say to you, hey, Victor, who's who's successful? You're living on a stupid little farm in Selma and I'm the president of the United States. So I must be doing something right that you're not. And that's an argument. It's not a stupid little farm, Victor. It's <laughs> well, I mean, he's been successful in his farm, life doing what he's yeah, doing. Sure. I'm just saying that I yeah. think and I think he could be even more successful. Well, hey, uh, we've got to conclude. We got to conclude. Do, I went on we too have, long. No, no, no. You can never go on too long, Victor. But this final message from our sponsors. <laughs> Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Alas, only to conclude by uh, urging you, dear listeners, especially new listeners, to visit Victor's website, The Blade of Perseus, at victorhanson.com. When you go there, and you will go there, you will find... Um, an archive for all these uh, podcasts, links to Victor's articles at the aforementioned American Greatness or his weekly syndicated column, um, links to his books, and then these ultra articles. You'll see these little articles and little black box says ultra. You'll click on it. You'll want to read it because why? You, you, you want to read what Victor writes, but you won't be able to unless you're a subscriber. So do subscribe. It's $5 a month or $50 discounted uh, for the full year. Uh, that's the Blade of Perseus, victorhanson.com. By the way, I, I wish we had time. Maybe in the next podcast we will. On one of the Ultra Articles series, Victor's writing right now is a why rural irks urban. And it's really, really, really good uh, stuff. Uh, for, as for me, Jack Fowler, I write Civil Thoughts, the free weekly email newsletter for the Center for Civil Society at Anvil, where we are trying to strengthen civil society. And what do you get in that newsletter? 
14 recommended readings of great pieces, articles I've come across in the previous week. I provide the link to the article and an excerpt. There's nothing transactional about it. It's just, you know, here's something I think you will enjoy. And I do get a lot of uh, uh, kind emails from folks who are enjoying Civil Thoughts. Sign up for it at civilthoughts.com. Victor, we do get a lot of comments from our listeners, uh, particularly at iTunes slash Apple, where you can rate this podcast and leave comments. And here's, I'm going to read three comments. Two of them are very short. One is titled, A Man with a PhD. And can pound nails too. Love it. And your podcast. Thank you, sir. And this is signed by No Respect 80. Then there's one titled from Communist NJ, New Jersey. Quote, Victor is the best. I love listening weekly. Victor, thank you for your insight and commentary. End quote. New York City indie car fan. That's who signed it. And then the last one is titled from South Carolina. What a pleasure to listen to VDH podcasts. I learned something new every single day and love the calming tone of Victor's speech. A genuinely kind, extremely intelligent man sharing his own personal thoughts, not a rehash of others' opinions. I adored and trusted Rush for so many years until VDH. I had not felt that way about another social media personality, although I listened to many until now. Thank you, Victor Davis Hansen. You are so loved and appreciated. May God bless you and yours in the coming new year of 2024. Stay courageous. And that's signed by Penny Lane 56. Gosh, Victor, that's something. <laughs> that's nice. Hey, Jack, yeah. before I leave, I just yeah. got a person who listened to it. Yeah. Tape, and oh. that person just texted me this. Okay. Dear Victor, I watched the tape. The video parts where you especially talked about Trump, you never capital said you would not vote for Trump, only that four lawsuits against him could be a real problem that DeSantis is running as the backup candidate. You also said that you would vote for any Republican against Biden or Harris. I can tell, call you and let you listen to the tape or I can get a tech person to send it. All in all, it was very good. She was over the top and strident. So I never said that, Jack. Hey, yep. I didn't think so. That's I what never I... said that, and I never. Yeah. I got very. I'm very angry that she would say that, but uh, I did uh, say that I would vote for any candidate that was con uh, that was on the Republican. I think you would too, wouldn't you, Jack? I would. I think everybody except out I, there except would. Except your ver version of very angry, you sound so calm, and as as Penny Lane just wrote, you're so gentle in your. In, uh, but it's your it's your moral authority that should make. I have a lot of uh, uh, and uh, quaking her high heels here. So the reason I say that I have a lot of respect for DeSantis's professionalism and competence. I really yeah. do, and what he did, and I think he could do a great job. But I also have a lot of respect for the sheer endurance of Donald Trump and yeah. empathy for what they put him through, and the the horrible things they're doing to him, and. I my only again, my only thing is I'm worried about how he's going to get out of those lawsuits. And I wish that they wouldn't fight. And I I wish they would run together and that would be great. But uh, I will do my best to see the Republican nominee win. Yeah. 
Yeah, not for partisan purposes, but for the salvation of this of these uh, this great experiment. This United these United States, uh, we are at a brink. All right, my friend, you've been terrific as ever. We thank our listeners for listening, our sponsors, especially AMAC today. Uh, go there again, you know, amac.us slash Victor. Um, we'll be back soon with another episode of the Victor Davis Hansen Show. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. I appreciate it. <laughs>